You're listening. Whoa. <clears throat> to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Aaron. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. And now it's time for, I'm going to give it away in the title, How to Chrisman with Bree. Did I say that right? Uh, I think so. <laughs> Maybe. All right, Bree, what is a Chrisman and why are we talking about them? Chrisman. Chrisman. Okay, so one of our lovely Facebook group members, Katie, posted several weeks ago about the phenomenon known as Chris Chrismons. There's no Z. Chris, now you're, you're second guessing. Chris, I am, well. I'm not confident Chris-man? right now. Chrismons. Chrismons. I only say Chrisman because of my like singing training and Chris, S's because Z's because mm. Okay, I'm Don't listen executive, to me. executive decision. I'm not in charge here. It's going to be Chrismons. Chrismons. From here on out. Well, mm-hmm. And this is this is worth you're going to get to this, but I think a lot of people uh, only saw the word in print when it started taking over. And so I imagine there are variations on how to pronounce of this course. because each person was saying it a different way. Right. Mm-hmm. So Mon works for me. Is this um, an ancient thing? So, no. We'll, <laughs> we'll get to it. No. We will get. <laughs> Listen. We're so ruining when, your flow, when, when Katie. <laughs> when Katie posted to the Facebook group about Chris Mons, I was, I had no, to be fair, I had no idea what she was talking uh-huh. about. Um, and it wasn't until someone else in the group who I go to church with said, oh yeah, we, we have those at church in our, on our Christmas tree in the sanctuary every Christmas. <laughs> so I knew of them. I just didn't know what they were called. And so Mm. um, we put a poll out on Facebook. (laughs) As we do. As we do, because science, you know, hello. (laughs) Basically asking uh, the the members, do you either at home or church or both, do you deck the halls with Chris Mons, basically? Um, And we had a, a lot of people, I think a majority of the people said they do. And a minority of the people said that they don't, but we also had sort of this middle group who were like, what What are Christmas? I have no idea what this is. And so I would, I would encourage all of you who voted that way, who said, I'm not sure what these are, to just make note at church sometime during Advent or Christmas, if you have a Christmas tree in your sanctuary... Is it decorated with these sort of white and gold ornaments that are sort of symbols of Christianity? They might be made of styrofoam. They, they could might. be. So that's what I knew them as. I just I was like, oh, our church just wants to decorate the tree with like classy Jesus ornaments. Like that's <laughs> I didn't realize I didn't realize that was the term that was used to describe them. So a little bit of background on the history of Christmas. So, this is not a tradition that is of old necessarily. Um, Christmas were created in 1957. Hmm. Um, 
Her name was Frances Kipps Spencer. She was a member of Ascension Lutheran Church in Danville, Virginia. Hmm. It's a Lutheran thing? It is. It, it was a Lutheran originated in the Lutheran okay. Church. That's amazing. Huh. I'm not sure it's LCMS, uh-huh. given that their pastor or one of their pastors Might has been, been a woman. Time. Okay. But still Lutheran mm-hmm. origins yeah. nevertheless. Yeah. Um, Francis did a lot of work in like fashion. I think she works. I think it had said that she had worked in like department stores and was very involved in like creative and artsy and and all of that. So um, in her in her church life, she started to think about, OK, how can we decorate our Christmas tree? That's sort of the departure from like red and green and gold and tinsel <laughs> and colored lights and stuff. This is sort of Chris Mons is sort of a departure from from that because it didn't seem to Francis. It didn't seem appropriate that that's how we would decorate our Christmas trees. Basically what Frances did in sort of her invention, her sort of creative process of these is she asked herself, okay, how would Mary, the mother of Jesus, how would she celebrate his birthday? And she sort of, Chris Bonds is sort of this extension of, well, she would have made him a birthday. It's, It's the 1950s. She would have made him a birthday cake, would have put his name on it, put birthday candles on it. And in that day and age, that was the appropriate thing to do. And so instead of using Arabic characters, you know, the J-E-S-U-S, she <laughs> opted for the Greek characters. Oh, so yeah. the, the Cairo, the sort of the, the X <laughs> overlaid on the, I call it the PX. Um, that oh, was... Just are going to get to us. I think we use Arabic numerals. Arabic oh, numerals Roman or Latin Anyway, we know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, the yeah, ABCs. Instead of using the ABCs. So instead of using characters. Instead of using the letters, letters that letters. We, would, <laughs> we would read as Jesus in English, uh-huh. she made the Cairo. And so the 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 Cairo symbol was one of the earliest Chrismons that she made. And so Chrismon, I've seen it spelled with a T, I've seen it spelled without a T. Um, C-H-R-I-S-T-M-O-N. I think the T is optional somewhere down the line because I've seen <laughs> it spelled both ways. But it's basically sort of this portmanteau of Christmas or or Christ and monogram. Oh. oh. Right. I wondered what. Oh. That makes so much more sense right. now. So the Greek, so combining Christ and, and monogram is the, the, the Greek basically characters that she was using. That's how she came up with the name Chris Mon. That is, I wow. Hmm. Right. And Mind so, blown. I know. So, it kind of took off after that. Um, you had sort of the Cairo. You had Alpha and Omega. Um, over the years, she added to sort of the the catalog of Chris Mon patterns, if you will, um, things based on the Beatitudes um, anything really that was a reference to the life, ministry, activities, nature, names, or teachings of Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes you see early church symbols like the ichthus. Um, mm-hmm. You see symbols that represent the sacraments. It could be like a chalice or a baptismal shell. 
Um, you sometimes see Old Testament symbols as well. I've seen Noah's Ark before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's really sort of this way of decorating Christmas trees that sort of point to Christ. And so it 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 goes beyond it goes beyond different types of crosses and greek characters um but it, whatever the case may be the objective of christmas is to always point beyond themselves to god um and in one of the in one of the writings that i found from the Danville Fine Arts Museum of Fine Arts and History oh boy is where i got this is certified okay um, the vital feature of each concept of the, the vital feature of the concept is that each design must proclaim some truth about God as seen in Jesus. And so, like I said, it kind of goes beyond Greek characters. It goes beyond the Jesus fish. It goes beyond the different crosses. Sometimes you see things like pelicans, uh, peacocks, boat anchors, mm. um, which can all sort of resemble, Christ or be a symbol of Christ as determined in like the early church. Um, so you get sort of these, these interesting, sometimes you just get these really interesting, um, like Pelican Christmas ornaments on your little Christmas tree. It's very interesting. <laughs> um, since 1957, it's obviously snowballed. Um, yeah. I think a majority Styrofoam of, yeah, right. And, <laughs> Christmas can basically here's what here's my takeaway in my research about Christmas is they generally are gold and white and they need to point to Jesus. Hmm. It doesn't matter if you make them out of styrofoam, out of paper. I've seen them like laser cut acrylic sewn together like everyone sort of has their own way of making them they just really have to abide by those few sort of requirements um i would love to see an origami christmas tree oh that would be nice wouldn't that be amazing that would would be i don't have the skill for that but somebody needs to do that either i I really i really love this tradition because it's it's so um well, female. This was something that was cooked up by a church lady who said, how can we make our Christmas trees more uh, pointing, point more to Christ mm-hmm. and used, got out her styrofoam and her sequins and her hot glue gun and came up with something. And they are very, very useful. Now, um, when we were in, when, when my husband was pastoring a parish, the Children's sermons for Advent wrote themselves because he could just pull the kids over to the tree and say, point to a Christmas, point to one that interests you. And then he would craft a children's message around this. This is a symbol for Christ. And here's why. And here's what, Hmm. you know, it tells us about Jesus, this wonderful um, truth about the baby who is going to be in the manger on on Christmas Eve. And so it became this really wonderful um, sermon illustration Mm -hmm. That just, he never, he did this several years in a row and never ran out. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> and the kids always enjoyed them, although they were, the several ladies would come to me at various points and say, could you just 
talk to the Sunday school children and make sure they don't play with the Chrismons <laughs> because they were a lot of work to put together and they're kind of fragile, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and that handmade nature of them, like I'm sure that you can purchase sets. I'm sure that they're out there. But I think a lot of them are ones that were made mm-hmm. by the ladies of the church. Mm-hmm. Of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it has that additional sense of community yeah and they're all different too Mm -hmm. every church that i've been to during the christmas season a lot most of them have the christmas on the tree sure um, but they all look different Uh and but you can you recognize the symbols and so you know they're christmas and you 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 know what the symbols are but they have this special flair of Mm -hmm. of whatever church or whatever culture Mm -hmm. or part of the country Mm -hmm. um you're in which just it's so cool so I think one of the interesting things is with Chris Mons is they took off um, to a point where Francis Kip Spencer was writing books about how to do them, how to mm-hmm. how to make Chris Mons, um, and it's it's seen sort of global exposure. <laughs> People all over the world can do Chris Mons, and actually because making them fosters such a sense of community. Sometimes you have churches of different denominations coming together on a Sunday mm. afternoon, designing Christmas together. And so because of that, um, people have said that her work is considered to be one of the most significant contributions to Christian symbolism in the 20th century. Wow. And that's wow. just because people come together and sort of are, are laboring over this ornament but you're doing it together and if you're not very artistic you kind of struggle together and you just you foster this sense of community and and doing good work to sort of point people to Christ because that's that's the other thing too is how many people in our churches at Christmas time are not usually in the pew otherwise like outside of the christmas season Mm -hmm. and so those those symbols those basic that basic imagery is a great way to sort of point people sort of this jumping off point to be like why is there a boat anchor on this christmas tree (laughs) when there's a bunch of other there's crosses and stuff and there's Mm -hmm. this boat anchor well you can sort of you can sort of make the the you could sort of tell the story that we anchor ourselves to, to Christ and that through baptism we are we are anchored to him and he is our stability and our peace and he keeps us grounded. So it can be a, it can be a very helpful sort of as Rachel was suggesting sort of simple way to connect people who might not have a routine church life or sort of this understanding of the Bible or Christianity. It's a simple way to sort of tell people about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Mm-hmm. And it, it sort of answered once, it, it helped answer a lingering question, and that is whether Christmas trees are appropriate in a church. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's there's an old story in the Lutheran Witness from oh, probably 20 years ago now um, about Pastor, what was his name? Uh, Heinrich Christian Schwant, who was pastor of Zion Lutheran German Church in uh, Cleveland. And he was 
the first pastor to put a Christmas tree in the church building. Um, And so I wish, Mm -hmm. I wish this, I don't think this article is online, but so, but he, he took a lot of flack for that because people said, and that pagan, you know, and Mm -hmm. is that, is that appropriate? And he Mm -hmm. said, well, yeah, where I come from in, in Hamburg in Germany, this is an expression of our joy Mm -hmm. at, at Christmas time. But you know, it's sort of like having a flag in the chancel, various things that are not strictly traditional, um is it appropriate is it not well if you put if you cover your christmas tree in symbol christological symbols so that it becomes this visual work of art pointing directly to the cross then that sort of helps answer that question yes it can be Mm -hmm. a positive addition to you know christian life and worship during the advent it's also i think it's also important to know and this is a debate for another time but even just like the imagery of the evergreen tree and the symbolism mm-hmm. of the evergreen tree is mm-hmm. just being this is this symbol of eternal life and 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 life in christ a life that doesn't die um and to sort of put upon that then these christological symbols is just i think a really i think it's a really great way to sort of still engage in 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 societal culture but sort of own it as christians yeah mm-hmm. yep i'm i'm not gonna lie though i am scared to touch chris Mons. Uh-huh. <laughs> well i'm sorry rachel <laughs> because you I know what you could probably do <laughs> so we have a little um surprise for everybody out there in podcast land oh i totally forgot this was coming yeah oh, it's coming <laughs> sorry <laughs> no. what do you have for us we Bernie? are going to do the we're going to have the first annual Lutheran (laughs) what we're going to be doing this for years to come Erin first annual Lutheran ladies lounge Chris Mons giveaway so I have here with me um, folded up in little crumbled paper here's there's a big pile of these Mm -hmm. this is welcome to my They've heard this joke about five times today. It's not funny anymore. There is a large pile of crumpled up pieces of paper. Yes. So there's a big pile of crumpled mm-hmm. up pieces of paper. These all are symbols taken from a brochure I found on the Cathedral of Hope website. Um, it's a Presbyterian church that has sort of centered their ministry around chrismons. And so basically what I did was I pulled down that brochure. I cut out the little symbols and you all are going to draw from this pile of crumpled paper, a chrismon that you will be making using an art form that you are most comfortable with. Um, Rachel, I think we determined that if all else fails, just make your kids do it. I think your kids yeah, should do it. I, I gotta say, all four of my children are more artistically gifted than I am. Like, even the five-year-old can outdraw me. Um, <laughs> because I was given the gift of words and uh-huh. not the gift of pictures to yeah. go with those words. But you do words better than a lot of people different, I know. Different so. gifts, man. Yeah. Different yeah. gifts. All right, are we picking these? We're all gonna <laughs> pick from this pile here and Rachel will have to pick for you sorry the odds are not in your favor like two times now and we're all going to design a Chrismon that we will then give away to lucky listeners 
in podcast land. It's true. All right, I have drawn mine. Okay. And I will be creating a... Right? To un- unroll this. Whoa. That's going to be interesting. What is it? <laughs> it's the sand dollar. <gasps> I wanted that oh. one. Do you want to do this uh. one? We can swap Hold these. On. Hold on. Let me have a sand so I'm going to say, the sand dollar is known as a Holy Ghost shell. The markings recall events in the life of Christ. I have never seen this on a tree. What? Really? I definitely have a sand dollar, at least a so sand was, dollar ornament. I was so. planning on felting whatever I can do, mm. but felting a sand dollar would be interesting. I mean, I can do it. Okay. We can swap these, though, if you want. We can do a redraw. Do one more. You, could, you can do one redraw. One redraw. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Ah. Okay, could somebody draw for me and like mm-hmm. hold it up? Yeah. Oh, here so we go. Camera, this is my remembering favorite that one. I'm not in studio. All right, so my what redraw. Cross with orb. <gasps> the Ooh. holy hand grenade of Antioch symbolizes mm-hmm. Christ's dominion over the world. That's the symbol that's on your hymnal supplement. It's on my hymnal, my worship supplement, which everyone will get to hear about in my episode later about Christmas carols. But yes, this is a symbol on my hymnal supplement that I have. All right. Cool. You're up, Aaron. Okay, mine. Ah! I got the anchor cross. Yay! <laughs> the anchor cross was used by early Christians as a symbol of their faith when they had to avoid recognition as Christians in order to avoid persecution. Wow. Huh. Cool. Fascinating. That's heavy. <laughs> Look at what you just did. I liked it. That's a love react from me. <laughs> oh, it took me a while. I was just sitting here stewing and thinking to myself, uh-huh. I'm the Navy chaplain's wife and I don't get the anchor. If what? you want the anchor, we can trade. Well, let's, let's see what, see what, let's see what I'm getting. I'm, I'm really hoping for the pelican because it's my favorite. The trefoil cross with dove is also called okay. the budding cross or the cross of baptism. Ooh. The three-budded clover represents a new believer and is a symbol of the Trinity. The dove represents the Holy Spirit. Very cool. Okay, I feel like we could do that. You can, work uh, with that. You can do that. You can work with it. I think I can you can do make that. that a team project. I can do a cross, and one of the few things I can draw is vining leaves. Oh. So we'll figure perfect. something. Okay. All right, Brie. Oh, did you? Okay. All right, Brie. What, okay. do, what do you have? All right. We do have a special announcement coming up at the end of this episode for everyone who's annoyed Two by special our, announcements, by our I paper guess. unrolling. <laughs> Stick around. What do you have, Brie? The fleur-de-lis. <gasps> oh, I'm so jealous. Is the conventionalized form of the lily and the flower of the Virgin Mary and the symbol of the Annunciation of Jesus. Also the symbol of St. Louis. Also the symbol of St. Louis. And everything French. And Correct. Yeah, I was going to say France. <laughs> this is so <laughs> magical, you guys. Lord Lee's are my favorite. Do you have anything else for us, Brie? You're done. Merry, All right. Merry um, Christmas, fam. I think the announcement is from Rachel. Isn't the announcement from Rachel? It is. It oh, boy. Is. We, need, we have been, for the last uh, couple of weeks, trying to uh, figure out what kind of book we want to read together in the Lutheran Ladies Book Club. Um, thank you to everyone, by the way, who took part in our Facebook group surveys. We learned that our uh, Lutheran ladies like to read books of all lengths, of mm-hmm. all ages, of all difficulty levels, that we love variety, um, that we read books by Lutherans, book by, books by Christians who are who are not Lutheran, but maybe someday will be, even books by non-Christians who have something interesting to say. Um so it was really wonderful to get to know everyone's reading habits a little bit that way. Um, one of the most interesting questions for me is which genres of books do you enjoy reading most? And the two top 
uh, answers to that question were historical fiction, like almost 200 people, Mm -hmm. uh, and just over 100 people like literary fiction. So our first pick is going to be somewhere in that category. We are going to mix it up. Um, Future picks will include nonfiction, will include um, lots of different kinds of books. But since the uh, fiction folks were clearly dominant in our polls. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll do that. So I have two final poll questions for you ladies in the studio because I narrowed it oh. down to six books. Oh, and six. I know we- <laughs> okay. <laughs> My original list is about, oh, two dozen. See, so- <laughs> I have a hymn nerdery thing. You have a book nerdery thing. Oh, and my it's goodness. Cool. It's, it's really mm-hmm. bad. Um, it's okay. not bad. It's amazing. <laughs> so two questions for you. And since there are three of you, we won't have any ties. All right. Would you rather read historical fiction written from the perspective of a young woman coming of age or historical fiction written from the perspective of an old woman or an old man, in one case, uh, looking back on their life? Mm. So beginning of life, end of life, because the six books all fit in one of those two categories. Beginning. I'm also (laughs) going to go with beginning. Okay, then okay, it doesn't so, matter. I couldn't yeah. decide. Doesn't matter. So, right. okay. I Beginning. like both. Coming of age okay, story. Okay, so we have three options, and I'm not going to tell you the names. I'm just going to give you like a one-sentence description. Um, so we've got a novel about a 14-year-old girl who runs away from home and becomes a live-in domestic for a – she's Catholic, but live-in domestic for a wealthy Jewish family. Hmm. Um. We've got a young girl who goes to live with her uh, grandmother in rural Illinois in the middle of the Depression. Ooh. Um, and uh, what the small town hijinks that ensue. <laughs> and we've got a classic novel about a girl growing up in a tenement slum outside of New York. So, um, yeah. These are all really uplifting. I can't wait. Right? <laughs> they really are. So great. They all sound so interesting, though. Yeah. So, okay, we've got Tenement Slum. We've got Small Town, <laughs> Illinois. And we've got... Uh, Servant Girl. Jewish Family. Servant Girl. Sure. I'm going to vote for Tenement. Illinois. I, I'm i the one who loves reading, so I'll read any of them, so... Now Did we've got to choose. Okay, so you voted for Illinois. I mean, we can do Illinois. That was my second choice. Sure. We'll do Illinois. Okay. It's All not right. like we're never going to do this again, you guys. <laughs> we could always do these yeah. other ones also. Yes, we can. We so what's the winner? Tie. We, the winner picked... is... One of my favorite books of all time, and actually, it's it's probably my my daughter, my oldest daughter's favorite book too. Um, and so, yes, I have read this, but I read it again uh-huh. almost every year. It's A Year Down Yonder by Richard Peck. It is a Newbery Award winning. I love uh, those. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and it's a second. It's actually the second book in a three-part series, but each of these books stands alone really well. Okay. And it's not a hard read. It is written for you know like young people, so uh-huh. oh, um, should be a nice, uh, easy way to get uh, into the book club. Not too intimidating. Um, so yes, in this book, Mary Alice. Dowdle goes to spend a year during the Depression when her folks can't afford an apartment that fits them all 
with her uh, larger-than-life personality, Grandma Dowdle. And uh, she learns all about what it means to live in a community and not live in a community. <laughs> and um, yeah, her, her grandmother, well, I won't give away too much more um, because yeah. it's such a good book. So we will um, encourage you all to obtain a copy. Every, Newberry winners are on the shelves of any library go to. So if you don't want to plunk down $7.99 for a paperback, you can do that. Um, it's also available in Kindle and audiobook for Aha, those who well are uh, into nice. that. Um, that was something that our Facebook group said over and over again. I'll participate if it's an audiobook. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Especially if people listen to that. podcasts. I have a feeling that audiobooks are going to be a favorite for people. Right. All right. So, A Year Down Yonder, Richard Peck um, will go radio silent on this uh, until probably early January. So you have plenty of time to read it. And then we'll start the discussion on our Facebook group. And you'll hear a recap episode towards the end of January. And then we'll pick another book. Yay! So can't wait to share this share this favorite treasure with you all. All right. So in recap of this episode, there's so many things that happened. We have our Christmas giveaway. Christmas? Christmas. Christmas. Christmas giveaway happening. Uh, So check the Facebook group for details on that. And we have our new book club going on, A Year Down Yonder. Um, That'll be the book that we're reading. Also check the Facebook group for... Uh, all the details on that and uh, that is it for this episode we packed a lot into this one mm-hmm. um, you can always find episodes on your favorite podcast player or at kfubo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge um, or of course find all that you want to know about the Lutheran Ladies Lounge in our Facebook group you're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast I'm Sarah I'm Erin I'm Bree and I'm Rachel Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies' Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Join our community on Facebook in the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge.